0: welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now let's turn our hearts and our minds to the word as we begin today's episode. Open up your Bibles if you brought them today to the book of Genesis. We're going to look at Genesis chapter two and Genesis chapter three. We're in a new series today entitled 10 do's after I do. A number of years ago, a couple got together and they were getting married and they said, what's your advice for us before we get married? And I I really took it seriously. I'm like, I want to pray about this and not just like spout off some things. And so I was sitting in a a little coffee shop and I was praying and I just wrote down just in my, my prayer notebook, 10 do's after I do, 10 do's after I do and just listed 10 things. Uh, And so out of this one day, I want to make this a book and create a workbook for our life groups. And so I don't know if I'll communicate all 10 things in this series. We may come back and do part two next year or another time. Uh, But this is not just for uh, married couples. Um, Seriously, this is uh, primarily even for those of you who are considering marriage or one day hope to be married you need to learn these things and implement them before marriage ever starts for you. And so this will be a blessing to you no matter what season of life you are in. The first do after I do, it really is the most important one. Genuinely, it's number one for a reason. It's not just number one because something had to be. It's number one for a reason, and it is this. I will pray with and for my spouse. I will pray with And I will pray for my spouse. With, we pray together. For, I pray for you. I will pray with and for my spouse. Genesis chapter 2, and let's look here in verse number 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good. It's the first not good in scripture. Everything else up to this point has been wonderful. This is not good. For man to be alone, I will make him a helper suitable for him. Now, this is very interesting. Um, There's there's multi-layered revelation here, but let's just take time to reference this in light of what we were communicating last week. That God has literally designed on this planet help that is suitable for you. There are some people on this planet who were designed for you because you need help. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, you need help. You know you do. Uh, you, you need help. Uh, so, but <laughs> it's true. Um, not only do you need help, I need help. And God saw it's not good that I am alone. It's not good that I am isolated. So he literally designed on this planet people who fit me. He designed help for me. I, I said this at the 10 o'clock service, and I really did almost get emotional. But when I met my wife, I met help for me. My wife has helped me. And you need to understand this in the context of of marriage. I am not designed to change my wife. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm not designed to parent my wife. I'm not her father. I'm assigned to help her. That's why God made me her husband. I was designed to help her, to help her know him, and to help her fulfill the mission that God has for her life. Listen to me, single people. God's not interested in giving you anybody who's not going to help you know him. He's not going to send anybody into your life that takes you away from him. Secondly, he's not going to send anybody in your life that takes you off mission. You need help to reach your mission. You need help to fulfill your assignment. So God places help on this this earth to help you do that. And and so you need to look at marriage in that that context of it's there to help me know him and it's there to help me fulfill my mission. And if it's not going to do those things, I'm not interested. Because marriage is not something that you're going to get and immediately think you'll be happy for it. Uh, of like, my life is so much better because I'm married. No, if you do it God's way, it'll be an accelerant. But if you do it the world's way, we see how well that works for the world and for those who do it that way. God designed uh, a spouse for me, a mate for me, to help me. God designed people on this earth to help me. So one of the questions I ask literally, and this is true, all the time when me and my wife are having a discussion, or whatever you want to call it, uh, in your household is I will ask myself this question, is this helping her? And is the point of this being communicated to help her? And if it's not, what's my motive? Um, And so out of that, ask that all the time, is this helping? Why? Because that's why God put me here. God put me here to help them. Well, they need to change, not your job. You can help them change, but the Holy Spirit, God the Father, is the change agent. Um, And and so out of this, God looked at man and said, I'm going to design help for you. And so this is what marriage is. Marriage is designed to be a help, not a hindrance. It, It moves me forward in the plan of God. God says this again in verse number 20. The man gave names to all the cattle, birds of the sky, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep. People ask me this all the time. They're like, do you think there's one person out there in the world for you? Have you ever wondered that? Is there like one person out there in the world for me? And when I, I think about this in context, God knows my end before my beginning. I wasn't just born, I was sent. Before I was formed in my, bella, in my mother's belly, he knew me and ordained a plan for me. So I think in that context that there is a person out there who is right for me, literally made for me. I believe I found mine in, in Pep, that she was made literally for me. She's my missing rib. But, well, you know, I I understand the logic. Well, what happens if they miss God? Like if Pep would have missed God. Pep's my wife, by the way, for those of you who may be new. If if she missed God and didn't choose me or chose somebody else, well, what does that mean? Here's what I know for sure. There are people out there in the world who are right for you and there are people who are wrong for you. And when I say wrong for you, I don't even mean like heathen or like sinner. Of course, we we know that. But like you shouldn't be unequally yoked. Um, Paul said, Paul put it that way. Somebody says, well, what does that mean? It's like if you have a, a really strong oxen, if he's unequally yoked, there's an oxen next to him that's not as strong. It's unequally yoked. So they would pull things. So he's using terminology that they use. And now we say, don't be unequally yoked. And everybody's like, I have no idea what that means. It it literally means is you want somebody as strong as you. And the context there is spiritually. So keep that in mind. You want somebody there who is strong spiritually. But not only that, there are people who are strong spiritually who were not made for you. You are the body of Christ. My finger is directly connected to my hand. It would be really weird to have a finger on my face. It doesn't belong there. That part of the body does not belong there. It's designed for my hand. And so there, in the body of Christ, there are direct parts that are assigned to you that will be a help to you. But if you get connected to the wrong part, it might not be near as much help as it needs to be. So you've got to be prayerful when you're engaged in these things to find your help. And that includes in friendships and that type of thing. But especially for marriage, you don't want to rush into that. You need to find out, do we fit spiritually? Uh, Do we fit um, even relationally? Uh, So these things matter. Help, Jesus said, God said, help made for you. It keeps going here. In verse uh, number 22. So the Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man. That's interesting. Why a rib? We may talk about that later. Uh, A rib from him he had taken from the man and brought her to the man and said, Now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. All of, the, all of this is revelation on how to do marriage. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was much more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any of the trees of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden, we can eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, do not eat from it or touch it or you will die. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Watch him. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. What's his attack? It's a spiritual attack. For God knows that in the days you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, not every thought you think is from you. Not every thought you think is from you. There are some thoughts that are not from you They're from the enemy designed to take you off course. And you need to know what you're wrestling with. Because if you think it's just you, you'll listen to it. But if you see who's really behind it, you'll resist it. And she was talking to what she should have been resisting. She was thinking this thought that needed to be resisted. And it cost her. And it'll cost us too. So she's doing this. She's talking to this thing she should be resisting. These thoughts, ideas, suggestions are coming. She keeps letting them come instead of stopping them. And verse, verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was delight to, to open the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of them were both open and they knew that they were naked and then chaos ensues after this. <laughs> so it's a mess. Two things I want you to take from this. Once again, it's, it's multi-layered revelation. First thing is this. The foundation of marriage was God. If you try to replace that foundation with literally anything else, you're on sinking sand. The foundation of your relationship with your spouse can't be built off of attraction. It's good to have attraction. It can't be built off of that. It can't be common interest. It's good to have common interests with uh, your spouse. Me and my wife have a lot of common interests. But the foundation of our marriage can't be built upon that. Every other ground but God is sinking sand because God was the origin of marriage. And what prayer does is invites God in. Where there is no prayer, there is no invitation to God. When you pray for your marriage, you're inviting God into your marriage. When you pray for the nation, you invite God into the nation. Where there is no prayer for the nation, you're not inviting God in. God's a gentleman. He'll knock on the door, but he'll not turn the knob. Prayer turns the knob and says, God, I want you here. When you pray, you're saying, God, I want you here. And so when you pray together with your spouse, what you're saying is, God, I want you in your marriage. Literally, when you don't pray, what you're saying is, God, I don't want you here. Because a prayerless life is a prideful life. And so it's saying, God, we can do this without you. We will build this marriage on everything else but you. And the problem with that is, and you know this, and this is not just true for marriage. This is true for every one of your friendships and your relationship with your parents and everything else. Storms come. And there will be stuff that comes up in life and stuff that comes up in your health and stuff that comes up in your family and stuff that comes up on the job. And these storms come. And if our foundation is built upon anything other than the rock that God intended it to be built on, which is himself, when the storm comes, it will wash away. And so when we're involved in spiritual things as a couple, what we're saying is, God, I want you here. And so this is why I, I, I tell my, my son, my son is, is 15. Um, he'll be 16 next Sunday. Uh, my oldest son, I have two. My oldest son, Boston, he's 16 next Sunday. And so, you know, he's, he's thinking about dating and all those things. And he'll talk to people here or there. And I'm like, listen, here's how you know you can date them. Or if you're, you're ready to date, you cannot um, get off the phone with them without praying. If you're ashamed to pray in front of her, something's not right in you or something's not right with her. I tell my daughter, I'm like, if, if somebody's interested in you, can they pray with you? Can they pray with you? Could, could you trust that they could lead a conversation with you? Because here's the thing. Listen to me, young people, or single people. If you find someone who loves God, them being able to love you, the chances of that are a lot higher. Because when you're inviting God into that space, it literally changes everything. It'll give you a tender heart. When somebody loves God, they can't talk to you any way they want to talk to you. Because their heart will convict them. You don't have to even say something. The Lord will. But if they're hard-hearted spiritually, they'll treat you any old way. And it does not bother them. You, You want a marriage built off of the rock. You want a dating relationship built off of the rock. Christ needs to be the center of my marriage with my wife. And the only way for him to be that is not just me be a Christian. It's for me to invite God into that space. God, I want you here. I want you in my marriage. God, I I want you in, in my family. I want you on my wife. So we're acknowledging that when we pray. The second thing we're acknowledging when we pray with and for each other is that the first attack in marriage was not an affair. The first attack in marriage. This was so big in me this week. The first attack in marriage was not an affair. The first attack in marriage was not an argument. The first attack in marriage was not a disagreement over finances. The first attack in marriage was a spiritual attack. He attacked a wife's thought life. He doesn't find you attractive anymore. Where did that come from? Who are you talking to? She never listens to you. Who's telling you that? See, the enemy wants to hurt you. But the reason why he wants to hurt you is because he wants to hurt God. And he can't hurt God physically. God is way stronger. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. Um, Satan versus God, not a match. It's, it's, It's over before it began. So... He knows, though, God loves you and God loves family. God loves marriage because it was his idea. And so what he does is what God has joined together, he wants to tear apart. Because he knows in tearing it apart, sure, it'll hurt you, but it'll hurt the Lord, which is why God hates divorce. He doesn't hate divorced people. He hates divorce. Why? Because he loves you. He loves marriage. He loves the idea of it. Why? It was his. But these things that happen in marriage, all of these physical things that happen in marriage, all the disagreements, all the, the, the strife, all the division, all of these things that happen in marriage, it's not physical. And if you treat it as physical, you'll keep dealing with it because you're addressing the fruit instead of dealing with the root. The fruit is the issues. The root is it's a spiritual problem. And when it's a spiritual problem, you have to address what is spiritual with something that is spiritual. It needs prayer. If you resist the enemy, he will flee. If you engage the enemy, he will grow. And what we need, what my wife needs is my prayer over her. You you know, I've been thinking about this a lot just in my own life. That, you know, the story of Mary and Martha, Martha's doing a thousand things physically. Mary is doing one thing spiritually, which is sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's esteeming spiritual things over all of these natural things of like, I just need one thing spiritually. I need to hear from Jesus and be close to him. And Martha's out doing a thousand things trying to make the home right. That even how that parlays over into marriage. Of in marriage, it's like, we've got to fix all these issues. And people bring, even like when I do marriage counseling, it's like, well, what are the issues? And it's all of these natural issues. And it's like, ah, there's really only one thing that's needful. And that's if we together as a couple will come and get as close to Jesus as possible and sit at his feet and say, speak, Lord. Tell me why I'm not seeing this. Tell me why... I don't understand. Speak, Lord. I need your guidance here. Speak, Lord. What if in the middle of an argument, it's like, you know what? Let's pray. Let's invite God into this. And with humility, you bow your head as a husband or bow your head as a wife. And you join hands and say, Father, this issue is becoming more important than our relationship. What is she trying to tell me that for whatever reason, I'm not seeing? Do you not see how the Lord would invade that? But see, the devil wants to keep you as far away from that as possible. So you keep dealing with each other instead of dealing with him. Where there is strife and division, there he is. God is love. He is strife. Love is the manifest presence of God. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. You can feel it when you walk in a room. Some of you are children. You feel it all the time. You literally fill the devil all the time because of the strife that is in your home. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Where there is division and anger, there is every evil work. That is him. And out of that, he disguises himself in these things because if you think you see him, you don't. He's he's not the the, the pitchfork and the, the red horns. He disguises himself. He's a thought that you keep entertaining. A thought that's bringing division. A thought that's separating you. He doesn't love you anymore. C see, 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 see. Who are you talking to? She doesn't honor you anymore. C see, 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 see. Who are you talking to? And what your husband needs is prayer. And I'm not just saying that. It's like, of course, that's a Christian thing to say. No, I'm really saying that. It's a spiritual attack. He's not just tired. And she's not just going through something. She needs prayer. My wife needs prayer. I have had times in my life where where the Lord has told me. In fact, two years ago in 2021, the Lord spoke, I guess now almost three years ago, something with me in years today. I'm like, don't even listen to the 10 o'clock service. I got our anniversary so wrong. (laughs) Uh, I'm like, rapture now, Lord, please. My wife's on the front row. Rapture. Still here. Rapture. Please! In 2021, the Lord spoke to my heart in prayer and He said, I want you to make your wife a priority in prayer. Make Pep a priority in prayer. That's literally how I wrote it in my prayer journal. And I watched that year how the enemy attacked her thought life. She'll talk about it on Mother's Day, I think. But I watched it. You're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Stop trying to address it with flesh. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. And these weapons demand prayer. Praying always, he said. This is Ephesians 6, I'm quoting. Praying always in prayer, he said. Because that's what our spouses need. They need prayer. My wife needs prayer. Me as her husband, I need prayer. We need these things. I was at dinner last night. Uh, with uh, some, some business people in the church. And there was a, a young guy who's the uh, son of some missionaries that we support. And all throughout the Middle East, these missionaries are. And their son's 27. He's married. He's, you know, they have their first uh, baby on the way. And he's looking to do well in business. So he said, can you get me around some business leaders? And just how do I start a Christian business? I'm interested in all these things. I'm like, I'll do it. The Lord told me to serve as parents. And so I could see as a parent, nothing would help me more than if you help my kids. So I'm like, done. Um, so he came in and we're sitting around, and we're talking about business. And one of the people said, well, you know, there is no magic bullet in business. There is no magic bullet. And any of you play Mario Kart, Highland Colony, anybody Mario Kart? Lakeland? Any Mar- Come on now, Mario Kart. Am I the only one? Uh, Mario Kart is a staple in our household because you can play it as a family and those types of things. If you're not familiar with Mario Kart, you are like Mario or another one of the characters from Mario. You get in the golf cart and you hit these boxes. And these boxes have things in them. Well, one is a magic bullet. And I don't know if you're familiar with the magic bullet in Mario Kart. Uh, but the magic bullet in Mario, Mario Kart is even if you're terrible, and this is so nice for, you know, our youngest son when he was figuring out to play, because he is terrible in the Sims house, there is no mercy. It's like, if you're terrible, you're terrible. And you will lose because we will beat you until you get better. And then when you beat me, I will stop playing. Uh, and so out of that, and I would just say, it's because I've moved on. Well, I like, I haven't, I just don't want to lose. Uh, so anyway... I watch him go through, last place, hit the box. Magic bullet pops up. He gets the magic bullet. Now, when the magic bullet hits, you don't even have to steer. You don't even have to drive this thing. If you become the magic bullet, it actually steers for you. And you can go from last to first quickly with the magic bullet. And i watch my son, like when, when we first start, like, I'm like, just hit X, man. You got the magic bullet. It's right there. Just hit X. It will take you forward. You don't even have to know how to steer. Just hit X when you get it. And I couldn't help but to think that last, there is no magic bullet. No, there is to marriage, to business, to parenting. You know what it is? prayer. Because when you pray, you're asking God to invade. And I want to ask you, how much of God is invading your marriage? How much of God is invading your discipline as a husband? How much of God is just invading your spouse, invading your kids? Because you might not know everything. You, you might didn't have the example of a father figure growing up to really teach you how to do this thing. You, you might never, never saw a man honor a woman and you genuinely don't know how. You, you might not have ever seen a woman submit or honor a man. You, you might not have ever seen that, but here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit knows how to do these things. And if you will just hit X and say, God, I believe that you can do what I cannot do. Not just in my life, but in my marriage and in my spouse. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to quit trying to just steer the car and just make my way happen. And I'm going to say, God, invade my spouse. Give them eyes that see you. Give them ears that hear you. Give them a heart that is sensitive to me. Let them lose their taste for whatever they're pursuing that's not of you. Father, let, let my wife, I've been praying, I love that passage in Daniel. When the angel sees Daniel, this just, oh, it melts my heart. When the angel sends Daniel, he looks at Daniel and he says, Oh man, greatly beloved of God. <laughs> what a salutation. Oh man, greatly beloved of God. Wouldn't you love for that to be the salutation an angel greets you with? Oh Joel, greatly Beloved by God. And so when I'm, I'm praying for my wife, I say, Father, I know Pepe, that's my wife, is greatly beloved by you. And so Father, I thank you. She walks in the grace that she needs. She finds joy. She finds peace. She finds direction. I also know, Father, you gave me her because I'm supposed to help her with something. Show me what that is. You know what he's been talking to me a lot about with? Help her around the house. Like, just start there. <laughs> Somebody said amen. I heard a woman say amen here like, <laughs> Amen. Seriously help her and so even today I was walking out of the house and I saw dishes that my kids had left in the sink it looked like oatmeal or something and you know before it's like I'm going to go preach I'd have left it there and the Lord's like help her you're called to help help her and I didn't necessarily grow up where men did dishes and that kind of thing but the Holy Spirit is showing me what a man did not I wonder if it's because she's praying for me. And I wonder if it's because I'm asking God to show me how to be a better husband. See, what you pray for, God invades. In John chapter 7, and verse 38, this scripture's been big on my heart. If you can pull that up real quick. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, this is Jesus, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. He's talking about prayer here, will flow from you rivers of living water. Uh, Living water is mentioned all throughout Scripture. Have you ever wondered, like, living water? Like, I'll give you living water, Jesus said. Living water is a term that, you know, Hebrews would use for water that is moving. So you've seen a river, it's moving, it's living. This is why in Israel, there's something called the Dead Sea. and the Dead Sea, it doesn't move, so nothing lives. Oh, this has been so big in me. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea. And in you, there is this well of, of living water in you. If you are a Christian and connected to God. And I have to ask, like, am I a Dead Sea? Is my home a dead sea? Is none of that water moving from me and moving to my children and moving to to my family, moving to my wife? My wife, I want her to ask, am I a dead sea? Or is this living water coming from me? Am I a Dead Sea? where I've, I know like I've got the answer, but I'm, I'm so trapped in my mind because if the devil can get you in your mind, he will whip you every time, Eve. He will whip you every time. If he gets you up here, he will whip you every time. But if you can get him in the river, the river moves things. You get something in a river, a river will smooth things. A river will make things live and it'll shift things. The river will move you. You get even in a lazy river. You're not standing still. You get even in a lazy river. There's just something there that you just find yourself drifting. You get in an ocean with the current living waters. You find yourself just being pulled. It's like, how did I get over here? Just with a little bit of submission. Just with a little bit of like, I'm not going to keep my feet here. The current's like, okay, we're moving now. And some of you, you've got people who are stuck in their ways, but there will come a time where they just submit to God just a little bit. And when that river you've been sending out hits them, it's going to pick them up and it's going to shift them and it'll move them not only back to you, but it'll move them back to God and move them back to the plan God has for them. Let the river do the work. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. In my home, in my marriage, is it a dead sea? Do I got the magic bullet right there, but I just won't hit X? Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you like wheat to take away everything valuable from you. And I know with every fiber of my being, like when it comes to, to not just me, but my wife and my children, Satan desires to have them. And I, I don't know everybody here's names or at Highland Colony, I don't know all of your names, but I do know whoever you are, Satan desires to have you. He wants to make your life hard. He wants to make your life painful. He wants to take your home and turn it into his home, turn it into a dead sea where nothing can live and nothing can thrive. He wants to affect your your relationship with your children and your father and your mother. He's a divider. God's a uniter. He wants to come in and he wants to do all those things. He wants to separate the valuable from the invaluable. He wants to crush you, sift you. And I know that for you, and I know that for my kids, and I know that for my wife. And, And Jesus comes and he pulls Peter and he says, I want you to know something. You're under spiritual attack. And what you're about to go through, it's not just you denying me. If if Jesus was seeing this only through the eyes of the flesh, how mad could he have been at Peter? You won't even tell them you know me? You go out there and you won't even acknowledge me? If he just looked at it at the flesh, it's like, you won't even say you walked with me? So hard-hearted Peter was in that moment. Why? He is listening to the enemy. And so out of this, he's becoming his worst self, and he's turning his back on on the one he loves the most. And maybe you see this happen in your marriages. They don't even act like they know you anymore. And you see it just after the flesh, you'll get very angry. But Jesus saw it after the Spirit, and he saw it's not just Peter. There's an enemy at work. It's a spiritual attack before it's a physical work. It's a spiritual attack before it's a physical work. And because he had, prayer, he had prayer there, prayer opened his eyes and Jesus saw the enemy. And he saw that the real enemy is not Peter. The real enemy is the devil that's been lying to him. And so he turned to Peter and he said, I want you to know something, Peter. But I have prayed. Pray with your spouse, but pray for them. Pray with them where two or three are gathered together. There I am in the midst of them. You talk about something powerful. Pray with them, but pray for them. I want to be able to look at my wife, and I want to be able to tell her, Peppy. I have prayed for you. I have prayed for you. You can't be mad at someone you're praying for. That's why God told you to pray for even enemies. You get a heart for who you pray for. Pappy, I prayed for you. Me and my wife, years ago, we got married. Be 19 years in July. We've seen three kids, many things. Gone around the world, built churches. But she is everything the Lord showed me. I was 21 years old. I had no idea how I would meet somebody. Praying in the Spirit, walking in my home, I had a vision. I saw a Christmas tree. I saw a, a, a wife. I knew it was my wife. Arms around kids. I didn't see their faces. I didn't see their faces. I just saw my wife around this gorgeous Christmas tree. And I felt warmth. I felt it. I felt it in my body, in this vision. I felt it. Had no idea it could be that way. But somebody says, what do you mean you felt warmth? Everything marriage and family could and should be. I felt it. I felt it in my innermost being. And a hunger came in for that, to contend for that. The Lord said, I showed you this because if I didn't, you wouldn't be open to it. And I'm like, what does that mean? Next day, my mom called me. She said, there's somebody you need to meet. And I'm like, oh, that's why he told me that because my mom had tried to set me up before then. And every other time before then, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. And I actually told the Lord, I am not married any, I'm no more, no longer. But the Lord knew I had help. I had help made for me. And I'm telling you in my life, I have seen the wonderful goodness of God. And I have seen what marriage and family could be. And it hasn't been like every season, rainbows, butterflies, and whatever. You, you're married as long as we have. You have three kids. We married young. She was pregnant six months later. You, you have all these things happen. You, you see things. But I'll tell you this. We made a decision from day one. We will pray together. And here lately, I've made a decision I will pray more for. I'll close with this literally, close. I've already gone too long, but y'all are listening so good. Don't tell the other services. Don't tell the other services. But you have been my favorite. I heard somebody say the other day, in my 20s and 30s, if you'd asked me to write a book on, on parenting, I'd have wrote a book on parenting. They said in my 60s, I'd write a book on prayer. Somebody says, what in the world does that mean? Because when you're young, you think of all the things you need to do. But the more you walk with God, you see all the Lord can do. And I've seen what the river can do. That the river can do the work. And I look at my kids and I see the river doing the work. And I look at my wife and I see the river doing the work. And I look at my life and I see the river. It's just doing the work. Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. do's. first one. I will. I will pray with and for my wife. Let's pray. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I I just thank you that for so many you're restoring the hope of what it could be. The hope of what a family could be. The hope of what a marriage could be. For so many, Lord, you are restoring the hope of what it could be. And I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that from our innermost being, rivers of living water will flow. Rivers of living water will move things. Rivers of living water will shift things. Father, we say over our our mothers and our fathers, over our sons and our daughters, over our husbands and our wives, that the river is moving things. That your glory shines like a bright light over them and gives them everything that they need in this season gives them everything they need in this season to come alive again and to be strong in you, Lord, and in the power of your might. So, Lord, do whatever you want to do. Make me who you want me to be. And, Lord, let each one of us be fully surrendered completely surrendered unto Thee, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.